The scripture from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with the cry of the command and the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be there with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The word of God for the people of God. Be to God. So in 2001, Skittles the cat went missing. Skittles was was on vacation with his family in the Wisconsin Dells. They were spending spending Labor Day in the Dells. And suddenly one day they realized they couldn't find Skittles. And so they looked and they searched and they searched and they looked. But no matter how hard they looked, they couldn't find Skittles the cat. And finally, heartbroken and exhausted, they drove home. They drove 350 miles home to northern Minnesota. 140 days later, who do you think should show up on their doorstep but Skittles the cat? Skittles had traveled for nearly half a year through the fall, through the cold of a Wisconsin and northern Minnesota winter. Skittles had traveled 350 miles to get home. By the time Skittles arrived home, Skittles was was worn out and emaciated to the point where Skittles' ribs were literally protruding from his body, but Skittles went on to make a, a full recovery. Skittles made it home. In 2004, Kuzia the cat went missing in in Russia. Kuzia was on vacation with his family when one day they realized they couldn't find the cat and they searched and they looked and they looked and they searched, but no matter how hard they looked, they couldn't find Kuzia the cat. And finally, finally they decided they just had to head for home. And so they drove, they drove 1,300 miles all the way across Siberia to the tiny village where where they called home. And, And three months later, 90 days later, who should show up on their doorstep but Kuzia the cat. For 90 days, Kuzia traveled through the Siberian wilderness 1,300 miles to make his way home. By the time he got home, Kuzia had bite marks in his tail and his claws were were worn down to little nubs, but Kuzia went on to make a, a miraculous recovery. Kuzia the cat found his way home. All week long I've been reading these stories. The internet is filled with these things. Uh, Apparently this sort of thing happens all the time. Uh, Apparently some animals have just got this this drive, this unstoppable drive to overcome every obstacle and get home. Get home to their families. I've been reading these stories all week and and probably the best story, the the most amazing and improbable story is the story of, of Prince the Irish Terrier. 
Now, for this story, we have to go all the way back to the year 1914. In, in 1914, Prince the Irish Terrier moved from his home in Ireland to, to London with his family, Mr. and Mrs. Brown. Now, now Mr. Brown was, was in the infantry, and World War I was going on. And so not long after they moved to London, Mr. Brown was, was sent overseas. He was sent to the trenches of northern France. And after Mr. Brown left, Mrs. Brown noticed that, that Prince the Irish Terrier just didn't seem... Just didn't didn't seem the same. He just didn't seem to be himself. She wasn't sure if he was missing Mr. Brown or if he didn't like the noise and the, the bustle of the big city. Six weeks, six weeks after Mr. Brown left, Prince the Irish Terrier went missing. She couldn't find him anywhere. She searched and she looked and she looked and she searched. She spent two weeks looking for that dog because she didn't want to have to write a letter. She didn't want to have to send Mr. Brown a letter telling him the sad news that their dog had, had run away. But finally, after two weeks of searching, she just had to admit that the dog was gone. The dog wasn't coming back. And so she wrote the letter. She sent the letter to, to Mr. Brown. A few days later, she got a, a telegram. She got a telegram from Mr. Brown, and Mr. Brown sent her this message. He said, don't worry about Prince. He said, I know exactly where Prince is. Prince is here with me. Nobody knows how he did it, but somehow Prince the Irish Terrier made his way out of the city of London, across the English Channel, through 60 miles of northern France, to the very village where Mr. Brown was camped out in the trenches with his regiment. The regiment they adopted Prince prince as their mascot, and, and he spent the next four years trying to keep the trenches clear of rats. His record was 137 rats he caught in a, a single day, and when the war was over, when the war was over, Prince the Irish Terrier came back to England and was celebrated as a, as a hero and a celebrity. This is one of history's great mysteries. How did he do it? How did Prince find his way to Mr. Brown? Nobody, nobody knows. Somehow, somehow, he felt this tug, this pull, and made his way, made his way to, to his family, made his way to the people he loved. The, the internet, like I said, and you can go, some of you right now, I can see are Googling this. Is that true? Did that actually happen? <laughs> All of the stories I just shared with you, they're absolutely true. These are historical facts. These things really did happen. As a matter of fact, they happen all the time. There are so many of these stories of animals making these amazing and improbable journeys to get to the people that they love, to make their way home. And this week's, this week's movie, A Dog's Way Home, was inspired by those journeys. It was inspired by stories like the story of Skittles and the story of Kuzia the Cat and, and the story of Prince the Irish Terrier. In this week's movie, a, a dog named Bella finds herself separated from her family. She finds herself 400 miles away from home, and so her journey begins. And, and before we go any farther in the sermon, I have to get something off my chest. There's something I need to confess to you, this is really not my kind of movie. I like my movies to have zombies, and this movie did not have a single zombie. I like, I like my movies to have spies and explosions, and there were no spies, and there were no explosions in this movie. And I like my movies to be at least a little bit unpredictable. I like to have a sense that something unexpected was going to happen, and this, this movie was anything but unpredictable. If you saw a single trailer for this movie, then you knew before it even started exactly 
how the movie was going to end, right? You knew, you knew that Bella was going to overcome obstacles and, and dangers. And, and, and in the movie, Bella overcame obstacles and dangers. She was hunted by a pack of wolves. She, she survived an avalanche. She crossed a busy highway and even got hit by a car, but nothing stopped her. She didn't let anything keep her from, from getting home to her family. And you knew, you knew if you saw a single trailer for this movie, then you knew that along the way, Bella was going to, to make friends and find companions. And Bella made friends and found companions. She spent some time as part of a pack of, of mismatched mutts. And, and then for a few months, she was adopted by a homeless man. And, and for one part of the movie, she even somehow ended up becoming the mother of a, of a mountain lion. She made friends and found companions along the way. And you knew, you knew before the movie even started that Bella was going to find her way home. As Greg told us, it's right there in the title of the movie, A Dog's Way Home. You knew before the movie even started, you knew that there was going to come a moment where Bella looked across the field and saw her family. And her family looked across the field and they saw Bella. And then you knew the director was going to cue the slow motion running and the cheesy music. And sure enough, at the end of the movie, what happened? Bella looked across the field and she saw her family and her family looked across the field and they saw Bella and then everybody started slow motion running and there was cheesy music and then they all fell into each other's arms. There was nothing unpredictable about this movie. There was nothing, nothing surprising about this movie and yet, and please, here's, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. What I'm about to say next, can we just keep it between us? Can, can you not tell anybody what I'm about to say? Let's just keep it between the, the 150 of us and, and all the people who listen to the podcast. If, if we could, don't tell anybody what I'm about to say. When that moment happened, when Bella looked across that field and her family looked across that field and they slow motion ran to each other and fell into each other's arms, even though this is not my kind of movie, I felt a little something in my eye. <laughs> Way, way back in the dark of the movie theater, I did that thing where you kind of put your hand on your face like, like you're bored and you're absolutely not crying because this is not your kind of movie, but secretly then you use your finger and you start to wipe at your, wipe at your cheeks. I have to admit that this movie made my beard a little bit damp at that point in the movie, that moment when they all fell into each other's arms and the family was all back together again. That, that got me. It spoke to me. It connected with with something deep down in my soul, a longing, a longing for reunion, a longing for people who love each other to be together again, a longing, a longing for the circle to be unbroken. All of us have that longing deep down in our hearts for the circle to be unbroken, to be with the people we love. And that longing, that's what this morning's scripture reading is about. Now this morning we've got just a little bit of of Paul's letter to the, the Thessalonians. When the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, He was writing to a church that was brokenhearted and confused. A a tragic event had just happened in the life of this congregation. Now, in the early days of of the church, after Jesus rose from the dead, after Jesus ascended to heaven, his followers, the, the earliest Christians, they believed that Jesus was going to come back into this world. 
They believed that Jesus was going to return to this world, and they believed that Jesus was going to bring God's kingdom with him when he came. They believed that Jesus was going to come into this world, and he was going to right every wrong. Jesus was going to come into the world and drive out sickness and sadness and darkness and death forever. And they didn't believe that this day, the day of God's victory, was, was sometime thousands of years off in the future. They believed that it was going to happen any minute, to the point where, where some Christians in the early church, they even quit their jobs. They said, why why should I work a nine to five? Why should I go and do something I don't want to do for a paycheck? I don't need money. Jesus is going to be back any day now. What's the point? What's the point in going to work? The early Christians, they would get together after worship and and they would drink coffee and they would talk about how wonderful that day was going to be. They talked about the party that they were going to throw when Jesus came back into this world. They talked about what a great thing it was going to be when they all got to welcome Jesus back into this world together. And then Suddenly, in the Thessalonian church one day, something completely unexpected happened. Suddenly, one day, a member of the church passed away. We don't know who it was. We don't know if it was, was one of the elders of the church. We don't know if there was some sort of an, an accident. Maybe it was a younger person, maybe even one of the children in the church. That sort of thing happened a lot back then. We don't know. We don't know who died. All we know is that it shook up the church. They were confused, and they were heartbroken, and they, they wondered, what does this mean? Does this mean that this person who we love, this member of our church family, won't get to be part of the party when Jesus comes back? Does does this mean that they're going to miss out on greeting Jesus and welcoming him back into this world with us? They were so confused that they wrote a letter to the Apostle Paul. They said, Paul, help us to understand this. Help us to make sense of what is going on. Will these people whom we love and whom we have lost, will they, will they get to be there on the day of God's victory? The Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter back, his first letter to the Thessalonians. And in his letter, this is what Paul says. Paul says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The day of God's victory is coming, Paul says. It might not come on our timing. It might not come in our schedule. It might not come as quickly as we want it to come. But the day of God's victory is coming. Nothing in the world can stop the day of God's victory from coming. And when that day happens, Paul says, the trumpet will blow and the sky will open up, and Jesus will descend, and then the dead who are dead in Christ will rise. All of the people we love will be returned to us, and then all of us together will be caught up in the clouds, and we will greet Jesus in the air together. It is a beautiful image that Paul gives us this morning. It's a a powerful image, this image of a family reunion, a great big party that happens in the sky halfway between heaven and earth. It is a, a comforting image. It is an image that addresses that longing that we feel deep down in our hearts. Before we finish, before we finish this morning, there's one more thing I want you to notice about this image. Now, some people, they read this, this passage in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians about God's people being caught up in the clouds, going to greet Jesus in the sky, and they say, this is an image of, of God's people being taken out of this world. This is an image of God's people leaving this world to go off to find a better home with Jesus somewhere in the clouds. Some people say the message of this passage is if we can only hang on, if we overcome every obstacle, if we just wait long enough, eventually we'll get to leave this place and go off to to somewhere better. But that's not what Paul is telling us. 
In this, in this passage, when Paul talks about, about the coming of Jesus and the day of God's victory, Paul uses a word that, that people in those days would have used to describe the moment when a king returns from battle. Back in those days, when a king led his army off to war, they would station a watchman on the walls of the city. And the watchman would stand up there in a high place, and he would wait, and he would watch, and he would watch, and he would wait. He would watch until a cloud of dust appeared on the horizon. And then he would keep watching that cloud of dust as it drew closer and turned into an army. And he would keep watching that army until he could make out the figure of the king riding at the head of that army. And he would keep watching the figure of the king until he could see that the king was flying the victory banner. And when he saw that victory banner, the watchman on the walls would blow a long blast on the trumpet. And then all the people of the city would stop what they were doing and they would run out through the gates of the city. They would run along the road out to greet the army and the king as they came. And there on the road outside the walls of the city, they would have a great big celebration on the highway. They would have a a great big reunion and people would fall into each other's arms. And then the king would lead all the people together back into the city. This image of Paul's letter, this passage of Paul's letter, it's not telling us that that we got to overcome obstacles so one day we can go home to Jesus. This image is Paul's way of telling us that Jesus is coming home. Nothing in this world can stop Jesus from coming home to us. No obstacle, no impediment, no danger will keep Jesus and the day of God's victory from coming. Nothing in this world and nothing beyond this world can keep Jesus from coming home to us. The end of the story has already been written. The story is without surprises and entirely predictable. And sometimes, sometimes that's exactly the kind of story that we need to hear. Let's pray. God, we pray. God, we pray for the day of your victory. We pray for the day when Jesus will return, the trumpet will sound, and we will fall into the arms of the people that we love God, we pray that in our darkest and most difficult moments, you would help us to remember, help us to believe that nothing, nothing can stop that day of reunion from coming. God, we pray, we pray that you would help us to believe that even when we forget to walk towards Jesus, he is making his way home to us. In his name we pray. Amen.